Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Swatted away. Should be two, and that's the winning moment. The Tridents, the Tridents, they've done it. Phil Simmons, Jason Hall, and his men, they've conquered yet again for the second time in Hero CPL's history. A win, a title, and the Warriors, they go in despair. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 19 of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. I'm your co-host, Marshall St. Patrick Hewitt, and as ever, my fellow co-host is here, live and direct. Yep, Santoki here, and yet myself and Marshall are back once again. As we said last episode, we shifted our focus. It's time for CPL. The last episode, we looked at Jamaica Talawas, a franchise close to Marshall's heart. Um, today, we're moving on to a franchise close to my heart, the guy in the Amazon Warriors. Unfortunately, the franchise Guyana Amazon Warriors does not evoke the same fond memories for myself and Guyanese fans as Jamaica does for Michelle. So we're just going to look at the team selection for this year and also just generally what's been happening with Guyana Amazon Warriors, why they have not won a CPL. So, um, Michelle, do you want to kick us off and talk about the current squad for the 2020 edition of CPL? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, let's go with the... Let's just go with the name squad. So for those who, I'm sure everyone who's listening should know, otherwise why would you be listening? But maybe you just want to find out. The current squad as named um, for Guyana going into CPL 2020 is as follows. Imran Tahir, Nicholas Puran, Brandon King, Ross Taylor, Shimron Hetmeyer, Chris Green, Kimo Paul, Shafane Rutherford, Romario Shepard, Naveen Haq, Chandra Paul Hemraj, Kevin Sinclair, Ashmead Ned, Odin Smith, and Bramble, Jasdeep Singh, and Kisondath Magram, a late uh, uh, replacement coming in there from Trinidad. So that is the Guyana team uh, for 2020. Santoki, let's, let, let's dissect this team first and foremost. It's largely speaking, every team has pretty much had to bring in replacements of some sort. But really and truly with the Guyana team, it's nearly a, a like for like from last year. Yeah, yeah, they've maintained the core. What I really like about Guyana Amazon Warriors is their core, especially in the batting department, they've got young West Indian players, and that seems to be a philosophy they followed through. So we've obviously got Poran, 
Brandon King, Shimon Hetmeyer, Chandrapur Hemraj, Shafane Rutherford, then you've got Romario Shepard bowling. So it's a really young crop of upcoming and in some cases developed T20 stars. And so they've got a really exciting um, batting lineup at the moment. Yeah, and um, I mean, we can, we can make our predictions maybe at the end of the podcast in terms of how we think Guyana will line up. But I was looking at it today and I genuinely, I looked at the team that played the final uh, against Barbados last year and literally I only see two changes from that team for the opening game against Trinidad on the 18th. Now, obviously, uh, Malik isn't with Guyana this year mm. due to the tour of England. Um but Ross Taylor is pretty much a like-for-like replacement, is he not? Yeah, agreed. Ross Taylor, he's bringing that experience and he's someone who will bring stability to the batting lineup in a similar way to Malik in previous seasons. I mean, when you've got King, Hetmeyer, Poran coming in early batting, that's an explosive lineup. but there, there's also the chance that they could all be out very early. So Ross Taylor is someone who will stabilise the innings and I think, yeah, like-for-like replacement with Malik is fair to say. Yeah, the, and the question mark, um, we've heard some rumours and given this might come out before any official announcement is made, there is a question mark about who will captain the side. So Malik was obviously captain last year. Now, you have three names, I think, who could captain this side. Um, Taylor could just instantly come in. He's obviously a former New Zealand captain. He's, he's got plenty of experience internationally captaining. Um, Chris Green has captained Guyana before in one of the earlier editions. I think it might have been 2014. Could have that mm. wrong, 15. And then there's an outside bet of you give it to Shimron Hetmeyer to help him with his... Um, I think last year they made Shimron um, uh, leader of the batting lineup. I think that's what they did to kind of give him some responsibility. Um, mm. so an out, and obviously he was captain for the West Indies under 19 at the World Cup uh, mm. 2016. So there's an outside bet that you give it to Hetmeyer and say, well come on, this is your chance to mature. What would you do? I, yeah, I would, I would love to see Hetmeyer give the opportunity to captain just to see how it affects his game. Um, we've seen him be inconsistent. I mean, in T20, generally, he's more consistent than other formats. But there's still a level of inconsistency. And you feel a captaincy, at this point, there's no risk to it in, in any way because... If it heightens his game, it's going to benefit Guyana Amazonwaris massively. If it doesn't work out, you can always change midway through the season and move the captaincy on and just say it didn't work. So I think it's worth a gamble in this particular tournament to give Hetmeyer the reins of captaincy. But I can see, obviously, Chris Green has been there a few seasons. He speaks very well. He seems like a natural leader, so he may be someone they go to. Or they might very well just say, Ross Taylor, he's got the most experience in that side. Just give it to him. He'll make an instant impact. So I'm, I, I agree with you. I think those three will be one of them will be captain based on on that criteria yeah most definitely it'll be like i say i'm expecting an announcement at some point this week um, or next week uh, we're recording this on sunday the 9th so by the time this comes out i'd like to think an announcement either has been made or will be made shortly um after this podcast is out but still sticking on the 2020 um side mm. um i read an interview so last year um guyana um hired um, uh, an analyst for the first time which is amazing actually when you think about it essentially that means Guyana had got to the final what four times previously um, yeah. in 13, 14, 16, 18 and never had an analyst and it's, the only reason I, I kind of echo that point is you hear so much about analysts in cricket nowadays that to think that a team can reach a franchise final and not need to employ one 
Mm. I'm saying that shows that you don't need one, but it, it certainly shows something. But in 2019, possibly with a view to getting the team over the line, uh, Guyana hired an analyst, uh, Sarab Walker, um, I believe out of India. And um, I was reading an interview with him about his experience at Guyana last year, and in particular, uh, referencing the final. And he had this to say about the final in terms of why he believed Guyana um, flopped again um, in the final, having won 11 straight going into the final. And, and this is what he said. This was a quote. He said, the final is all about handling the pressure. It does not matter how well you've performed in the past. It's all about how you perform on the day. I think we were going well in the first 15 overs of the first innings, but we conceded a lot or too many runs in the final overs. In the league games, we were taking wickets in the death overs, but we failed to do so in the final. Even in the chase with Brandon King and, Nick and Nicholas Puran at the, at the crease, we were in control, but then we suddenly lost wickets in a heap. And I guess there's much more to interview. I might reference some other things he said later on in the podcast, but I found that interesting to, to see his analysis of the final, um, which kind of indicated at him saying that they crumbled under the pressure. Mm. Um, and that things that had worked perfectly throughout the whole CPL 2020, when push came to shove and the pressure of the death overs, the pressure of the chase in the final, they, they, they crumbled once again. But as a Guyana fan, mm. how do you read it, Santoki, having seen them do it now five times? I would say, yeah, it's definitely something psychologically wrong, in, ingrained in the team at this point. I mean, if you look at Guyana generally, They've always done well in the group stages um, of CPL. And they've always had generally strong squads. In the first ever season of CPL, they had Narine, Krishmar, Santoki, Ramdin, Lendl Simmons. So they've always had players who could get you to the, to the title. But I just feel this pressure of, especially with Guyana, we've heard guests talk about their passionate fan base. I just feel the expectations of the franchise and the pressure now that they've not managed to win a CPL tournament after seven editions... Um, the pressure has got to the team and it's, you'd, you'd imagine it's ingrained, not necessarily in the players because players change season in and, in and out. You've got new players coming in, players leaving. So maybe within the culture and management of the team, there is this psychological pressure. Um, like you referenced the final last year, in uh, Eliminators, we scored, what, 218 against Barbados? Um, completely demolished them. Brandon King scored the highest CPL individual score of all time. And then mere days later, completely capitulated to Barbados trying to chase 172 to win so at that point you'd say it's psychological rather than the quality of the team because you don't go 11 games unbeaten in the tournament without having top quality so I would say it's a psychological issue whether an analyst or maybe they might have to hire a team psychologist to kind of help them overcome this barrier of finally getting their hands on a trophy yeah and I'd, I'd be intrigued again for, our, for, any, for anyone listening to this pod um, when it comes out, do do reply when we when we post it up. Once you get a tag, and this goes for any sport, or if we want to take another kind of cricketing uh, team that this would apply to, South Africa have famously always been referred to as chokers when it comes to major, not just finals, but major competitions. And that's not me having a go at South Africa, I'm just using them as an example. And you, you've taken the words out of my mouth because I was going to say, would the would the guy in Guyana Amazon Warriors not now be thinking? Well, maybe we need a psychologist. This isn't a talent thing. Mm. This isn't a oh, there's a there's there's a missing 
there's a missing piece of the juggle here on the field. I don't think it boils down to that because if that was the case, like, like you said, Guyana are the most consistent team. Well, mm-hmm. that may argue they are, but Guyana are effectively the most consistent team in CPL. Even when they haven't made the final, they've lost in like the final eliminator. Uh, yeah. So to have that consistency isn't about the talent. And also, like you say, because of the nature of CPL, overseas players change. Um, it's not always been the same core. Because to, to, to make that point, in 2018, when they got to the final, if again, if we look at the team that played the final in 2000, this was the lineup in 2019 against Barbados. It was uh, King, Hemraj, Hetmeyer, Malik, Puran, Rutherford, Shepard, Paul, Green, Tahir, uh, and Lachlan. That was the final uh, hmm. last year. The 2018 final, the only players that played uh, for Guyana that played last year were Hetmeyer, Rutherford, Green, Tahir. So it's, mm-hmm. it's as simple as um, what well, these players are chokers because the turnover in CPL is actually quite huge. Yeah. So, so to speak, and that's why it's so weird that Guyana, not weird, but it's so unique that Guyana pretty much kept the entire 11 um, mm. this year, much like Trinidad effectively may have done so as well. Um, mm. So that suggests, like you say, that maybe it's an organisation look off the field for the tweak rather than on yeah. the field. Um, and that might be the thing that gets them um, over the finish line. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's interesting you said they haven't had an analyst for all these seasons because technically Guyana have had a very clear um, philosophy and theory in building the team. They've always heavily relied on spin bowlers, um, partly because Providence is obviously a spin-friendly pitch and also um, Queen's Park Oval in Trinidad. So they've obviously played towards favourable on spin. But if you look at the, the spinners they've had throughout their history in the Rhine, Rashid Khan, Virasami Pamul, Bishu. Now you've got Tahir, Chris Green, you've had Shoei Malik. So they've always relied on spinners. But there's never been an emphasis on heavy batting performances. So, I mean, they have had world-class batsmen before. They've had Baba Azam in 2017, Martin Guptil, Lendl Simmons, Chadwick Walton. But traditionally, they've always been a team that's relied on bowling the team out for low scores and not necessarily putting up high totals. Whereas last year, you saw a shift in terms of they were putting up big totals partly because of Brandon King and then you had Hemraj, Hetmeyer, Poran supporting. So I don't know if the analyst last season has focused the team more on developing an all-round game rather than being a bowling-specific team. They've become an all-round team. And so I think that's favourable for their chances this season as well, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would agree with that. And I think um, they've kept the same coach as well. So Johan Bolter is still um, the coach for this year, got him to the final in 18, got him to the final in 19. Um, so he's obviously hoping to go third time lucky um, mm. this year. But I, I guess going with the spins, uh, going back to um, the analyst, Sarab Walker, he said about spin, um, he was asked about Guyana and, as you say, the, the, the kind of heavy influence on spin. And he, he was saying about the Guyanese spinners or the, the spinners in the Guyana team, um, they have better strike rates and better economy rates than the, than the majority of other teams. If the Guyanese spinners, or the, I always say Guyanese, if the spinners in the Guyana team take early wickets, then we know the batting team will struggle to maximise the death overs. So he mm. always planned to attack with spinners in the initial overs. And mm. the reason I, I took out that comment uh, and going further with what you said is that, correct me if I'm wrong, Santoki, but wasn't there a CPL game where 16 of the 20 overs were all spin? 
That was Guyana, yeah. wasn't it? It was last season, yeah, Guyana. Yeah. And there were people who were questioning whether they would be the first franchise to just bowl a full 20 overs of spin. Mm. So it's obviously... I mean, it was... It, can you say it worked if they didn't win? But it's obviously a method that plays a significant role um, for, for, for Guyana. And what will be interesting for them this year is Malik has gone. So mm. they still have Chris Green, obviously. They still have Imran Tahir. But with Malik out, who would have obviously bowled a lot as well. Hemraj, I think, will still chip in with some spin. I think they would expect him to. Um, yeah. They're going to have to rely on the two emerging players at some point, you would think. Um, yeah. Ashmead Ned and Kevin Sinclair. And it's just whether... I really rate Ned. And in fact, Sinclair has done really well in... Um, he played in the emerging players team that won Super 50 and he did mm. a domestic tournament uh, for the Jaguars as well in a recent uh, domestic tournament. But is it a lot of pressure on Sinclair and Ned to come in really and truly for their first CPL as emerging players and be expected to be frontline spinners to, or, or at the very minimum support Green and Tahir in terms of low economy rate? Yeah, 100%. I don't think Either of those will necessarily start the first few games. They might come in midway through the season. Ned has shown potential. I mean, he's got a contract with Leewards Island for next year, I think, in, in professional cricket. He's someone with potential, but you're being thrown into the cauldron, really, to come in for the massive T20 franchise tournament. So I don't think they'll be thrown in straight away, but then that poses the question, how would they rely on spin so much? Because they won't have as many spinners in the team. And obviously, with the same pitches being used in Trinidad, spin is going to be increasingly important. So you may see um, Ned factoring later in the tournament. But also, their um, their main overseas pace bowler, Naveen Ohuk, remember, he's 20 years old, so a very young Afghan bowler as well. So they haven't got the experience of a Sahel Tanvir, which they would usually have, for instance, or an experienced fast bowler as such. So there are going to be some tweaks and changes to the team compared to last year. Yeah, most definitely. And I think uh, from my interactions with um, kind of the journalists out in Guyana, they're worried certainly about if the bowling will be as effective this year. So mm-hmm. it's, it's like you say, it's that, it's that, for me, it's the number 11 position. Ned and mm-hmm. Sinclair do have to play five games because obviously the emerging players rule means they have to play at some point five games between the two of them. But yeah. it's the question of can... Romario Shepard, Kimo Paul, the spin-off Green and Tahir. And I guess Naveen Hack has taken wickets on... Um, Luke Dunning's just written an article for us on our um, Caribbean Cricket Substack where he's spoken about Naveen Hack's ability to take wickets on spinning mm. in Afghanistan. So you have to assume they're going to go the route of at least playing Naveen at the beginning. But as you also say, Sintok, he's young as well. This mm. is a CPL. So there might be a feeling for Guyana that they have to set huge totals until they know what what their bowling attack can do. Yeah, definitely. And I think also another big loss has been um, Keith Ahmed, um, an Afghan spinner who couldn't make it because of visa issues. That's a big blow because he's someone who you'd guarantee would bowl four overs or spin every match um, effectively as well. Um, he's played before for St. Lucia in the CPL. He's, he's an effective bowler. Um, they have brought in, as you mentioned at the top of the show, Kisundar Magram from Trinidad. He's only ever played one professional match, a first-class match in January in his whole career. He's 29 years old. Um, social media has told me that basically Puran's a big fan of him and Puran encouraged um, the West Indies set-up last year 
when West Indies were playing India in Trinidad for Margram to bowl at the nets. And he's also used some sway to get him into the Guyana Amazon Warriors team. But that's an unknown quantity. For all we know, Margram could come in and be a very effective bowler because analysts won't be able to pick him. There's no data other than this one match. That's a very good point. And we talk about Ned and Sinclair being young, but who have at least got some Super 50, because Ned obviously played in that emerging players team as well. They've got Super 50 or first-class experience. Magram, <laughs> no, one's there. no one knows anything. <laughs> Unless you've seen him play club cricket in Trinidad. So the question is, do you actually throw in a 29-year-old who at least has maturity, if not what we class as what, what, first-class or list uh, experience or whatever it might be? So he's definitely a wild card. Who knows what's going to happen? It wouldn't even surprise if he, if he plays ahead of everyone else. Um, yeah, for example. Yeah, definitely. I think he could be a a, a, de- a definite wild card or trump card for for Guyana Amazonians because there's obviously a reason they have pulled him in um, for this for this tournament. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they utilize him. Um, so if we move forward, Mash. So if you had to pick from this team, who do you think will be the highest run scorer and the highest wicket taker? Good question. Um... Hmm. I'm going for Puram in terms of run scorer. Hetmar is due actually is due a big tournament. He was really inconsistent last year, kind of what you said at the top. Um, so he's actually due a big tournament. Um, but if I had to go for a player who's shown consistency, Puram, I'm not going to go down the Brandon King line mm-hmm. because he had he had a stellar time. People will have watched him now. Um, yeah, and also I'm mindful of the fact that. King then got picked for the West Indies off the back of what happened in CPL um, and had struggles at the international level. So people suddenly have a lot more data on on Brandon King. So I'm not expecting yeah. him to fire as well as he did last year. So I'll go I'll go with Puran. Uh, in terms of wickets, it's hard to look beyond Imran Tahir for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think he took the most wickets for Guyana last year, actually. And what's yeah. brilliant about Tahir is his economy rate. It's not even so much how many wickets he takes. He takes mm. them such a low economy. Um, mm. Imran Tahir has a good tournament. Guyana are making it at least to the semi-finals, minimum. Yeah, 100%. I, I agree with you. I think Brandon King, there's not enough evidence to suggest he can repeat his heroics from last year. It would be great if he could. But as you said, he wasn't able to replicate it for West Indies. And we've only got the small um, performances from one tournament. Whereas Puran and Hetmeyer have shown in different leagues and over the years that they can perform. So I'll personally go with Hetmeyer. I know you're a big fan of him, Michelle, but I think Hetmeyer is the guy um, who's going to bring the fireworks in Trinidad for Guyana. And with wicket taken, I've got to agree with you, Tahir. I mean, Tahir's a bowler. What is he now? He's 41. Um, he's a bowler. You can drop in any franchise in the world and he'll guarantee wickets he's just got that experience and he's just got the variations he knows exactly what he's doing so he'll be perfect in Trinidad for Guyana so I think he'll be the leading wicket taker do you think there'll be any breakout stars so for instance someone like Ned in this team I would love having seen both Ned and Sinclair um, for the emerging players Ned's the one I want to see more Sinclair's got more experience Sinclair um Oh, let, let me quickly uh, reference it because I always get the stats wrong. Um, Sinclair took for Guyana in the first class season, just the, the last piece of cricket he played. He played six matches for the Jaguars and took 12 wickets, um, mm. average of 27. And in the Super 50 for the emerging players, uh, he took 
he played nine matches and took 13 wickets at 14. So technically, because Sinclair played for the Jaguars in first-class cricket and Ned didn't get first-class cricket, Sinclair's the more experienced yeah. of the two. And if they're going to go down the route of playing one of them, you'd think Sinclair might get more games. But Ned's the one I'm most more excited about um, to see. So one of those two should have a breakout season. Yeah. I agree. I, I would love to see Shafane Rutherford kind of build on the early signs and kind of put together big scores as well. Um, he's definitely someone to watch. Very exciting talent. So I think Rutherford could, I mean, he wouldn't be a breakout star, but just cement his quality as a top T20 player. Yeah, and actually, do you know what? As you just said that, I think one of the things that we, I possibly should have said at the beginning, again, going back to Guyana winning 11 in a row last year, um, and actually Simon Preston said it on our last podcast, say Guyana have a good run again this year, maybe one thing they should learn as well is rest the players. They, yeah. Once, so Simon said, uh, when we look at the Talawas, that Guyana made a mistake in, once they were through, they didn't have to keep playing everybody. Um, yeah. And they could have used some of the squad players, even if it meant they lost a few games. Now, the flip side to that is like winning's a drug like and you don't want to lose the momentum mm. but if we're if we're saying that they effectively burnt out in the final when the pressure came maybe there is a scope for teams like Guyana and Trinidad who expect to be in the final four who once they've qualified to just say well actually let's let's rest our players up for the actual crunch matches yeah yeah I think that's I think that's a good debate I mean it's it's like a seesaw it's hard to balance whether you want to build on that momentum or get rotate players in, but risk having a heavy defeat and just again losing that confidence in the team. But I think at this point, Guyana have nothing to lose. I think they should rotate the players if they have, in the latter group stages, if they've made it through, just to add a bit of freshness and just change it up. From obviously hasn't worked in past years. The team, some have said the team have burnt out by the time they've got to the final because they played all along. So yeah, it would be good to see some rotation. But that's down to the management. So I guess to wrap it up for Guyana Amazon Warriors, um, Mash. Where do you predict them coming in the tournament? Uh, semi-finals minimum, at the very, very minimum. Um, okay. I, I, I genuinely, I know if Nikhil listens to this, he's going to be sending me sleeping emojis. But <laughs> 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 I genuinely, I'm no 2020 stats head, but you can't tell me looking at this tournament that you wouldn't pick either Trinidad or Guyana to at yeah. least one of them to be in the final and the other yeah. to at least be in the semi-final. So I would be shocked. Um, mm. the, I want to say final because they've basically got the same team. But that doesn't guarantee you. That doesn't guarantee you anything. It should guarantee them some level of consistency. Um, but I think one thing I'm definitely going to be looking out for in the early games for Guyana, and this is two players we haven't spoken about, Romario Shepard and uh, Kimo Paul. If they can improve their death bowling and the Yorkers at the death. I'm presuming one of those two will be death bowlers, if not both, then Guyana will win it. I think actually that might be where the key is. If though, if those two, they did well last year in terms of wicket taking economy, not so much, but both of them bowled death overs for the West Indies, or at least have been tried. So if they can pull that off, I think Guyana win. Yeah. I think Guyana will win it this year. I think this is our year. hundred percent. We'll get to the final. Um, that's not even me uh, being biased. It's just I think the quality is there. As you said, Guyana and Trinidad will be the favourites. I think this is the year, psychologically, we come over the final line. And if anything, just to stop my 
myself getting cussed out by Mash every time we talk about uh, CPL. At the moment, I'm at the Kevin Keegan stage of things. I, I'm, I'm about to have a breakdown. I, I'd love it if we beat Jamaica in the final. <laughs> I'd love it. <laughs> Listen, I, let's ever bring Jamaica into it. If Jamaica can, if Jamaica can even sneak in to, to the top four, I'm more than happy with that. But um, most definitely, Guyana are one, are one of the two favourites, you would think. Lastly, predict your starting lineup for the first game versus Trinidad. Now, I actually think there's only one place we need to discuss, honestly, Santa. Yeah. So, again, what I said about that this was a team that finished last year, I think everyone plays apart from the last position, which I want to see what your thoughts are. So, King and Hemraj will open. Yep, 100%. Higher three. That would only ever change if Ross Taylor needed to come in to stabilise things or whatever might happen. So, Hetmeyer three, Taylor four, Puran five, Rutherford six. I think that's certain. Um, Shepard and Paul can interchange at 7 or 8 depending on what's going on Green 9 to here 10 now Lachlan was the bowler last year he's not there so mm. I want to know from you Santokis who are you picking Naveen Ned Sinclair or or the, or the mystery spinner Magram and there's obviously other players in the team like Oldane Smith but I don't think those players are coming into it in the first game so who would you go for as your number 11 Naveen or Hack uh, Ashmead Ned, Kevin Sinclair, or Magram? Yeah, so I would go with um, Naveen Uhak, the Afghan overseas pacer, to come in for Laughlin um, and complete the bowling lineup. But I think that should be a good, solid team for Guyana to win the CPL this season. So, Mash, um, it's been a pleasure. This is a shorter episode than usual because we are going to do team previews for the other teams, remaining teams in CPL. We've already done Jamaica. If you haven't listened to that already, check it out. Um, so, yeah, just keep an eye out for the rest of the team previews. And as usual, if you have anything to say about this episode, comments, questions, just drop us a message, Carib Cricket, on Twitter. All right, take care, guys, and have a good evening. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's been episode 19 of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.